Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 208 of the Falcoholic Live. As you can see, we are joined by a special guest. He is Eric Robinson of ESPN at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are we doing tonight? Not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. How you guys? Good. Good, good. Well, just we got the final roster here, Eric, so we knew we had to get your take on things now that it's settled. Also joining us tonight is my co-host, he's Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. You know, ready for football after another one more weekend. One more yeah. weekend and then we're back. Yep, one more weekend. We're almost there, guys. I am, of course, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, we're going to bring you guys lots of roster takes tonight. Uh, I still don't think this is the final roster for the record. The Falcons did claim two players off waivers, who we're going to talk about first. They did also have to cut two players to make room for those waiver claims. I think those guys will be back tomorrow, more than likely, um, assuming they don't get signed by somebody else, uh, because I believe the Falcons are going to put uh, several players on short-term IR. You just have to wait uh, until the rosters are set before you can do that. So I assume this is just sort of a procedural thing while they figure out exactly who they want to put on IR. I don't really think they're going to go into the season with, you know, three safeties and, you know, uh, five corners. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, So we're going to see some shuffling going on. Uh, So don't get too caught up in Mike Ford and Dean Marlowe being cut. I suspect they will be back pretty soon. Um, But yeah, let's let's kick things off with the waiver claims. We got offensive tackle Chuma Edoga, formerly a third round pick of the Jets. Uh, The Jets parted ways with him after camp. Uh, He seems like he's being brought in to be uh, a swing tackle, perhaps, uh, because the Falcons don't really have anyone that can play left tackle other than Jake Matthews, which is a problem. Um, So, Eric, as you're uh, I'll let you go first. You got any uh, Chuma Edoga takes for the people? Um, you know, it was, it was uh, a mild surprise to see them claim him or or have or even show interest in him. Um, you know, he was uh, like you mentioned, third round pick out of USC back in 2019, I believe. Um, you know, had an up and down career with the Jets, mainly down. Um, saw a lot of his time there at right tackle, but as you mentioned, he's probably better suited left tackle. Um, I don't expect a ton from him. Um, I think this is more so just shoring up depth. Um, and if if this is the route they go with shoring up depth, I'm fine with it. Um, again, I don't think he's uh, you you mentioned it today on Twitter. You pointed out his his run blocking grade. Yeah, 
comparing that against his pass blocking grade and, and his run blocking grade is much more significant, which stands out because this appears to be a scheme and approach that they take this year where they're probably going to run the ball a lot more um, than we we've seen them in years past. Um, so I think, you know, he's still young, he's only 25. So he's still got a little room to grow. Um, again, I just, I don't, I don't want anybody to look at this and say, Hey, they're getting a, a young diamond in the rough here <laughs> that can turn out to be a future starter. Like I wouldn't place my bet on that. At the least, again, it improves the depth of the offensive line. Like you said, he's he's better suited at left tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he's more of the swing tackle type. Yeah. Um, even with Ifedi there in the building, but I I think it's it's a decent move in that aspect. Yeah, you know, he has some potential still. He's only twenty five, but yeah, I think as I think they probably want him to be like, okay, look, if. God forbid anything should happen to Jake Matthews. He has to miss any time. It's like, okay, we're just going to run the ball to the left side. Like We're going to put right. Chuma in there, and we're going to run the ball over there, uh, and we're just going to rely on that. Um, and, you know, after they cut Rick Leonard, they didn't really have anybody that could play left tackle, so I agree with your assessment there. Anand, uh, you got any uh, takes on Chuma Idoga or the other waiver claim defensive lineman Matt Dickerson of the Chiefs? Um, Yeah, Chuma, uh, let's, let's just say that he doesn't really solve the pass blocking issues that the Atlanta Falcons O-line has had the past few years. Uh, in fact, it would be, I think, very bad if we saw him playing extended snaps. That would mean that probably Jake Matthews got hurt, which, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, it's just just a couple of depth signings. I I don't think either one will really make massive Matt. I don't think either one will be massive, like huge high impact players on either side of the line, but you know, it's always good to have some depth. Yeah. Yeah. Not really like the Chuma Doga one is maybe more interesting because this is a guy that is probably going to be active. You know, I don't know that Matt Dickerson will be active on game days unless there's some injuries. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I like the Chuma ad. I think, you know, as a swing tackle, he's fine. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too spectacular. And I, again, I wouldn't be shocked if these last few spots they just sort of shuffle. I mean, they did that a lot last year. They just sort of shuffled guys at the at the bottom of the roster. So it could be a fluid situation there. Um, but you know, like we said, Jermaine Effetti's got right tackle backed up very well, but they needed someone to back up left, and uh, that's that's what we're doing with with Chuma. And then Matt Dickerson, we'll see. He's much more of like a three four defensive end type of player than like a Timmy Horn, you know, nose tackle. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, what they, I know he was with the Titans originally for a yeah. while. So, yeah. So peace, this is, this is a peace Dean peace call here. He played two seasons under peace. So this yeah. is, this is probably so like, you know, peace kind of putting in a word form. Um, I want to go back to Idoga real quick. I do like the fact that they're, because we, this is something we didn't really see under Quinn where, normally depth would be addressed with the swing tackle that can play both sides. And then that's it. But, you know, with these, with this coaching staff here this year, at least this approach they're they're having depth at both left and right tackle along with having depth, you know, in the interior as well. So I, I do like the fact that they're going out, they're going out of their way to say, Hey, you know what? We feel we have us may have a starting five as far as the offensive line goes, but, we do want to stockpile some depth behind it because, again, 
teams in years past didn't. It was more so like having that swing tackle, having maybe one guard, one or two guards, if that, and hoping for the best. Yeah, no, I I, I actually like that because it, it's very different playing left tackle and right tackle. So having one guy that has to be your backup at both, he can't possibly be as comfortable at both spots. Like, it's just not right. possible. Uh, right. So and having... He yeah. Should be yeah, then he probably should be starting, right? So um, I, I, I like it. You know, they did this all through camp where they sort of had the two, you know, tackles sort of side-specific. And the thing is also that both these guys can play guard. I know a lot of people actually thought Chuma was going to switch to guard at the NFL level. I don't think he he hasn't really. He's main, maintained uh, playing a tackle, which is impressive considering I think he's 6'3 and isn't the longest so, I mean, that really speaks to how good he is as a run blocker if he's able to, I mean, to survive at that height. He does, yeah. Yeah, he was he a high. Get out. Yeah. He can get out and move. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's the consistency. Yeah. You, you'll get one good play, and then you'll get a bad series. And then you'll get another, a couple good plays, and then you'll get another bad. It's just, it, it, he wasn't able to put it all together. In New York, and some of that may be due to the Jets coaching staff. Let's be honest here; he wasn't with the greatest of offenses, the greatest of yeah. offensive staffs in in New York with the Jets. So, you know, I don't want to sit here and say this kid is, you know, bad at football entirely. I mean, the Jets as an organization haven't been that great anyway. Yeah. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, but you know, hopefully, just a reserve that doesn't need to see the field more than a, a handful of snaps here and there. Right. Victory formation, you know. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. So those are the two waiver claims to make space for those waiver claims. We did see Dean Marlowe, the safety, and Mike Ford, the corner cut, deep reserves, guys that were going to be special teams uh, stand standouts. Um, these guys aren't really in danger of getting claimed or signed. So. That's why they picked those guys specifically to cut. Um, they're probably going to be brought back, guys, uh, I would say tomorrow more than likely. Um, because I think they're going to be putting Marlon Davidson and possibly John Fitzpatrick on IR. But I don't really know. I think they're going to be putting two players on IR. I just don't know which two. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I would think both of those guys yeah. are going to IR. Is Trey Sermon a Falcon yet? <laughs> I mean, appa- apparently he wasn't even a 49er. Because <laughs> like, he never saw him. So. He's going to have a jersey by now. I need, yeah. I need Terry to get on top of that. <laughs> I mean, I wish Tracer Room was good. My dynasty team certainly does. But <laughs> we'll, we'll be asking the same thing about Davis Price uh, exactly yeah. one year from now. At least he's named after Game of Thrones, right? Charles <laughs> <laughs> has this, this affinity for drafting running backs he hates in the middle in the middle middle rounds excuse me yeah all all running backs he he's an equal opportunity running back lover um all right let's let's get into the nitty-gritty of, of the actual roster here some of the surprising cuts uh we'll start with the the cuts first guys that i was kind of surprised by um you know basically guys that i thought were gonna make the roster that didn't um not super surprised by Derek tangelo getting cut i th- thought he was sort of a sort of wild card there maybe someone um that could have made it but but didn't quite it seemed like the team wanted to keep the the second nose tackle more and they kept timmy horn which is of course one of the notable keeps but the tight ends they really cleared out the tight end room uh with anthony ferkser and michael pruitt going uh on the waiver wire 
so let's start there at tight end where the Falcons only have three at like true tight ends. I mean, Felipe Frank's probably going to play tight end most of the time, but uh, now what do you think about the Falcons rolling with just Kyle Pitts, Parker Hesse and the rookie John Fitzpatrick to open things up? Um, I mean, it's not, it, it's not that, uh, well, hold on. You're forgetting about my guy, Felipe Franks. As, well, I, as a, I said he was, you know, technically he's not a tight end, but we all know he is a tight end. So, of course, talk about Felipe Franks, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can I can always talk about Felipe Franks. <laughs> um, no, I was actually really shocked that, um, well, actually, I wasn't shocked at all that Felipe Franks <laughs> was the team. Never mind. <laughs> Felipe Franks was uh, a very, uh, he was a standout in training camp. and. Um, and uh, it, Arthur Smith had nothing but compliments for him. Uh, I was I was kind of surprised that Michael Brew didn't make it. To be honest, he is on the practice squad, but I thought that just having that NFL experience plus knowing this offense and hitting the ground running in training camp when he was signed, uh, I thought that would that would be enough for him. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't. He had he had some nice catches in the preseason as well. I think it shows what they think of uh, of Parker Hesse and John Fitzpatrick. Uh, I was questioning if Fitzpatrick was going to be um, was even going to be on the roster, and I'm actually kind of surprised that Parker Hesse made it in general. I thought that with Kyle Pitt or with Felipe Franks, excuse me, they would run you know three tight ends and then kind of think of him as that de facto fourth tight end, and then use that extra roster spot somewhere else because you you would essentially have Felipe Franks as that emergency quarterback, but it's a testament to probably the job that uh, Parker Hesse and Fitzpatrick, you know, the job that they did in practice um, and, you know, what the coaching staff saw in them. Hesse had some nice plays. He caught that touchdown yeah, against, yeah. Uh, against the Lions. Uh, he had that near catch earlier in the game against the Lions earlier, I think, on that drive, actually. But, yeah, I, I am surprised that, the Falcons ha- are running with four tight ends, not named Franks, and that Michael Pruitt wasn't one of them. But, you know, it's just it, – it, it's a testament to these young guys. And, you know, Hesse's a guy that's been here in Atlanta for a few years for, you know, a couple training camps. Fitzpatrick was just drafted. And I'm sure the Falcons uh, – you know, I'm sure the Falcons couldn't cut another Georgia Bulldog after <laughs> the first Georgia Bulldog that they drafted. You know, what, what message would that send to the fans? Gotta um, keep at least one dog on the yeah, roster. Yeah, gotta keep so. at least one dog on the roster. That's yeah, yeah that, that's the new new rule with the Falcons moving forward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think what Tucker Fisk made it as well, right? No. Oh, uh, he not did? that I. I would be. Sh- I guess I should check before I say absolutely not. No, it's just uh, they actually have. Funny oh. enough, they changed Felipe Frank's designation to tight end as of today, as far as I can tell. He's okay. listening to tight end now. Oh, so, so Kyle have... Pitts, Hesse, Franks, John Fitzpatrick is the four. Pitts, Hesse, Franks, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, Fist didn't make wait. it either. So yeah. Wait. So for okay, first Franks says... is officially listed as a tight end now. Okay. Yeah. But this is this is the first time I've actually seen that he's been listed at quarterback up until I think yesterday. So. All right, the team is just throwing us curveballs. <laughs> they just want to give us I, stuff I to talk Parker about. Smith yeah. is just having way too much fun with, with the Felipe <laughs> Franks. I think he just wants to fuck with the media at this point. He does. For sure he does. Uh, so that, that does not surprise me at all. Um, yeah, 
Eric, I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. Uh, the tight end death chart and then any other uh, guys that you were sort of surprised got cut. I mean, are we really surprised that they keep it for? No, uh, no. I'm surprised Ferkser wasn't one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I thought they were going to keep four. I just thought Ferkser would be one. So. Yeah, no, honestly, I thought Pruitt was, would be one too. Like, mm-hmm. the, I, I, I thought Pruitt really got went out over four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Pruitt would win out over Hesse. Um, Ferkser would be on the roster by week one. I'm not worried about that because because we I think we all we all know for sure like Fitzpatrick is going on IR. And once that happens, it's going to open up a room. It's going to open up a spot, and I'm pretty sure Ferks is going to be one of the first guys to get a phone call. So, I, I think going into Week One against the Saints, they're going to have four tight ends. Um, but I'm I'm with I would uh, add in on that one. Like I kind of I kind of thought Pruitt would be on the roster um, over Hesse, just because of uh, you know familiarity. But you know they decided to you know practice squad him, and we'll see what happens from there. This whole Felipe Franks experiment. <laughs> it le- he looked really good in camp. He didn't do like a ton he of the preseason. So good in- he was, he was so good. Yeah. Come on, so, Eric. You, you can't hate on Felipe. Arthur Smith can't help himself. You know? yeah. <laughs> He's already like, this is- taste in hell. You got a lot of blood in No, but see, okay, this is, <laughs> this is what's going to upset me. Because what are the odds... Well, you know what? Let's ask, let's ask this question. What's the over under on how many games Felipe is going to be active? He was active for a lot of them last year, or for more than I thought. But now he's going to for as a as a tight end four, right? Which they the did activate under? sometimes, but what's the over under on how many times he's going to be activated? I I think he'll technically be activated just because they need that emergency quarterback. Now, if he's if the emergency QB, they might. Yeah. Yeah. He'll play or not. I don't know. But I don't think that they, especially with Mariota and Ritter being, you know, scrambling guys and Mariota not knowing how to slide, I, I think they definitely want that insurance. Now, I don't think the team will be good with Franks at, at quarterback. But, you know, <laughs> maybe you could throw Jared, Jared Bernhardt out there as, the, as an yeah, emergency yeah. quarterback. Yeah. He, he won a D2 title. He did. Because, because my my problem with this is going to be hypothetically, if he's active for maybe I don't know a handful of games, what's the point? Well, yeah, I mean that fourth tight end may not be active anyway, so I guess it's sort of like maybe I think they were getting him a lot of special teams work too. So if he's like a if he's your emergency quarterback and a core special teamer and a you know depth tight end when they're going to use like a lot of two tight end sets. I think it's likely that he'll be activated most weeks, but I just don't know exactly what the special teams role is going to be. Which I, yeah. which I'm, if, if he's activated on most weeks and the, the playing time he's getting is special teams. Okay. But if we're really, if he's, if he's honestly only seeing the field, maybe four games, five games out of the entire season. What's the point? I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it's, it's wasting is burning a roster spot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. So I, so, I, so I, I, I understand. Yeah, I got you. If he's going to be listed as a tight end four and he's going to be active, he better be getting playing time on special teams at the very least. And if he's not, 
we're burning a roster spot. This could be used for another put. This could be used for, you know, maybe a, another another gunner at wide receiver, like having a guy like Darby out there, like someone that can actually or having Allison back, like something, even though he's with the Cowboys now, but having someone that can actually give you minutes with the yeah. third unit. He needs to play special teams, but I I think that he, he will. We'll see. Yeah. Um, certainly has the right the build for it to be a good special teamer. You know, got right. that height, that length, that speed. But we have we just haven't seen it in the regular season really at all. So I suspect they Arthur Smith is obsessed with Franks. I'm sure he's going to figure out a way to get him activated on most game days. Eric, you you know this. As long as we don't see any wildcat stuff, I'll be okay. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm with. That's the last thing I want to see. I never understood this whole Felipe Frank <laughs> experiment. Anyway, Triple sure, R. he's a he's a he's a good athlete. All right, great. He made a few catches in in practice. Cool. Did he even catch a pass in preseason? I'm not even quite sure he did. I think he did. He caught one, I believe. He, he, caught, he was okay, targeted, he caught, I think, three or four times. He had that almost like circus catch too. Yeah. But he also and, had then, and then he looked like death against the Jets against the third team. <laughs> Yeah, that was quarterback. The, the quarterback like, performance was, you know, uninspiring to say to say the least. Yeah. Freaking brutal to watch. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, if you're if you're gonna go out of your way to, to have this many tight ends, if he's gonna be your tight end four, and if you're gonna keep him active for most games, he better be playing special teams. And if not, if if it's a situation where we're seeing week after week after week after week, Felipe Franks is inactive, he's a healthy scratch again. Why? I don't I'm not right. getting it. Yeah. And, you know, they do keep what, like, it's usually three or four guys that are going to be game day inactives, like, every week. Like, se- several right. of your roster spots are going to be like, so if they want, I, I guess you're saying you would rather have a different developmental guy than Fred. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a practice squad guy that's, and, and have him as a, a healthy scratch than, like, I mean, if if he's going to be a healthy scratch week in and week out, I'd rather have Darby on the, on the active roster that can be a gunner for me. That's fair. Then, yeah, I then mean, just standing on the sideline in a hoodie and <laughs> yeah, I I, I think do think he'll be I, playing special teams. I think so. So I also do think Eric's right that we like. I know people are asking about Berkser in the chat. I think Eric's right. We will see Berkser back with the team. Yeah, yeah. very very soon. Like, yeah, they didn't yeah. sign Berkser to the squad. They signed Pruitt to the squad, which means they're bringing back Berkser. Yeah, like I. I'm literally just under the assumption that Berkshire's is on, on the team. Like just Yeah, I think so. And a and a, a, a actual like weapon in the offense. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. used. Yeah, like he looked really solid this preseason. Really I I really like what I saw out of Ferkser. He he actually yeah. exceeded my expectations a little bit. So yeah, yeah. and I think it's gonna be a key a key component to the offense going forward. Yeah, I think so too. So I, I'm interested to see what happens there. The other one that was a little bit surprising to me was Nick Kwiatkowski getting cut in favor of the uh, undrafted rookie Nate Landman. So that one was kind of surprising to me. Um, I don't know if that was shocking anyone else. I mean, he missed a lot of the preseason with an injury, so that was maybe part of it. But I mean, Nate Landman looked good. He did. Like, he did. He was out there. You looked good in training camp. When I was uh, out of Flowery Branch, he looked good in the preseason. But yeah, Nick Wodkowski, I think that's just a testament to the work, to the job that Landman did because Kwiatkowski was that veteran. And you know, I legitimately thought Kwiatkowski would be a contributor when we first signed him. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know exactly why. 
But did you have anything you else got, you wanted to add? You guys yeah. really think they're going to carry five inside linebackers? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I wonder. Well, I thought that they would if they had to keep if they were trying to keep Deion Jones like to trade him at some point. So like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's not. I mean, I I think they want to trade him still. Like, I think they that's want the, to trade him. Reason, but... That's the only reason why I see them having five linebackers right now. Yeah, five five inside linebackers right. Yeah. Because I, I think they're still building calls for him. That's and they, they wanted to be prepared. Um, yeah, yeah. Lamon looks solid. Um, I like what I saw from him. Um, I, I think, you know, the, you know injury bug is what tripped up Kwiatkowski yeah. um, a little bit here. But I don't expect – I don't expect them to have five inside linebackers for long. I, 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 like, I just, I, I, I suspect that he's going to be gone. Yeah, I, it's possible. I mean, are I, we, are we going to discuss him tonight? Are we going to dive into him tonight? Because I, I still think he's, a, he's, yeah, yeah I mean, you, topic. yeah, maybe you haven't got it. Yeah, I don't think you've had a chance really to talk about him. I mean, we've talked about him a couple times, but I, I'm interested to get your take on the Dion situation. I mean, it seems like he's sort of made it clear that he's okay playing a depth role and playing special teams this year. And my guess is like they're just trying to facilitate a trade, like, and, and maybe that means holding him until the trade deadline. But yeah, I'm interested to to hear what you have to say too. I just I don't. I'm fearful of the logjam that is going to create. For let's just hypothetically say they want to keep him, and they want him to kind of sort of like earn his starting job back. I'm afraid of what it would do for the development of the guys behind. You spent the high draft pick on Troy Anderson. You know, Mike Michael Walker is coming into his own a little bit. You know, we, we still have yet to see entirely what he can do on a field with with a full time starters gig. He was pretty much in and out of the lineup last year. Um, so now that he's penciled in as a starter prior to this, prior to Deion Jones coming back. You know, with Deion Jones back in the fold, you you never you I don't know if the team is going to say, hey, you know what, we do like him, we like what he brings, he wants to be here, let's you know let him earn his job back. I just don't know what that will say to the guys behind him long term. Like again, I I I I feel like that would definitely stunt the growth of one of those guys, if not both, and that's what I'm fearful of. I'm I'm fearful of this situation going where. He comes back. He actually plays decent this year. The team keeps him long term. Um, I'm almost at a, I'm almost at a point right now where I feel like there's no turning back on both sides. It should be no turning back. We've we've reached this point. Let's just go ahead and let's just go ahead and move on. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. Like I, I think honestly, it's just when the offer comes. Like I think if they get an offer for him, they will move him. But if they don't, they're, it seems like they're willing to hold him until the trade deadline, at least. Um, right. To see and it, un- can. Under- understandable why they haven't at this point, of course. I mean, come on, teams are not going to trade for a, a guy, an injured linebacker. That's, you know, his reputation is starting to be questioned a little bit around the league right. as far as his work ethic and his attitude. You know, um, teams are not really going to you know, trip over themselves to, to come for him. So they're probably taking an approach like, hey, 
let's just see this thing out to trade deadline maybe and you know let them you know let teams see him on the field and then let teams pick up the phone at that point um it's just an interesting scenario interesting situation here because you you can't help but wonder like man what if you know Deion Jones really would be a great fit in this particular scheme um and, and I know we've talked about it in, in past episodes, questioning his work ethic and his approach to the game and, and how, you know, his his effort level hasn't truly been there for the last year or so. Um, but I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm almost at I'm almost where the team should just be. OK, you know what? There's no turning back. We got to this point. Let's just move on from Deion Jones. Let's start a new with Troy Anderson and Mikhail Walker and move forward with that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um. All right, let's talk about the, the the notable keeps here, the guys that did end up making it. Uh, the big one, obviously, being wide receiver Jared Bernhardt. Everyone excited about that one. Um, happy to see Bernhardt make it. You know, I didn't know if the roster math would work in his favor, but the Falcons clearly made it work uh, because they probably feared he would be poached. Uh, so, yeah, Adnan, I'll let you take the first crack at that. Uh, are, you, are you excited to see Jared Bernhardt? make it and do you think he'll actually carve out some sort of offensive role this year i'm incredibly excited to see bernard make it i even wrote up an article that's going to be published tomorrow just talking about the journey that bernard went on to get to this point and you know more than anything else i think it's just such a cool story like jared bernard uh has i think before before this off season he had no experience playing wide receiver in an organized setting of football at all um maybe he did in pop warner i mean not that i know of or middle school or whatever but in high school he was a dual threat athlete he played quarterback and he played lacrosse um he was a lacrosse prodigy the number three ranked player in the nation in lacrosse and he chose to uh, go to the university of maryland as a lacrosse player and it was a pretty good decision because you know, he became their greatest player of all time at that sport, four-time All-American. He won the Tawarantian Award. I I don't know how how to pronounce it. Basically, the lacrosse version of the Heisman. Um, He was a finalist twice. He's Maryland's all-time leader in points. And then, hey, at uh, at the end of his senior year, he decided to graduate transfer, went to Ferris State as a quarterback, led them on an undefeated season where Ferris State won their first ever Division II championship. Uh, He led the NCAA in rushing touchdowns. And then he comes to Atlanta as an undrafted free agent, and he beats out seven other guys who have been playing the wide receiver position all their lives. And I I legitimately think that his performance was so good that it – it made the coaching staff slightly reevaluate their the roster structure. I don't think that the coaching staff wanted to carry more than five wide receivers just because of how how prolific Kyle Pitts is as a receiver. Pitts is pretty much a de facto wide receiver anyway. But uh, the wide receiver room was essentially Zacchaeus, London, uh, Edwards. And then, you know, you kept Kaderil Hodge for his um, – special teams prowess and Demir Bird uh, for his because he can take the top off the defense and not many other guys on this roster can and I think that Bernhardt was just that good that I don't think that they thought he would make it to the practice squad I don't think I they didn't think he would make it through waivers 
And my theory is that they decided to keep him as a sixth wide receiver just because he was that impressive. And he was. Yeah. Uh, against the Jets, he was he had three catches. Each one went for a first down. Each one was instrumental in putting together two scoring drives, 67 yards, a game high in just one quarter, had the game-winning touchdown catch against the Lions. Uh, he only had seven snaps in that game. And, yeah, just it's one of the coolest stories uh, in, in football right now. And, you know, just it's just a testament to his work ethic. I don't think that he'll have a huge role unless there's some injuries ahead of him on the roster. But I think just the fact that he's even made it to this point and is on a 53-man roster is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I'm really happy for him. I'm happy for Lacrosse Hive. I know there's some Lacrosse Hive folks here uh, tonight. So we, I mean, we love. I love uh, Lacrosse Twitter. I love all you guys uh, who are just so high on him um, in training camp and really driving, you know, that the hype trade for him. Um, and like Bernhard, I think like Anna nailed it with him. Like this is a guy that is such a natural wide receiver. This man had never played it before, as far as we know, um, prior to this training camp. Uh, the Falcons have him come in and basically become a better wide receiver than like like Anna said, like about seven guys that uh, basically had been playing wide receiver their entire lives. Some of these guys were veterans, like yeah. Ron. Allison has regular season experience. Auden Tate has regular season experience. You know, Frank Darby was a, a Falcons day three draft pick last year. Like these guys aren't, weren't, you know, just slouches at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Geronimo Allison was catching passes from Aaron Rodgers a few years ago. So yeah. 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 Exactly. And to be honest, I did not think Bernhardt had a chance when he was no. first as an undrafted. No player. chance in hell. Uh, yeah, cool. Like, you know, they got this lacrosse guy, you know. Yeah, he, I thought he was like, oh, practice squad guy. He sounds really interesting, you yeah, know. So. But it's like, I didn't think he'd beat Auden Tate out for, for a position. Yeah. yeah, that was a big shock. <laughs> that one happened early. Uh, no, but yeah. Good in training camp even. No, he, he, those first couple days, he had some like highlight catches, but that was. You good. know what? I think the one moment this preseason that I think really turned heads. Was when he caught a touchdown on, on Sauce Gardner. Yeah, yeah. I think that one particular moment was like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Like this is enjoying practice. Enjoying practice. At the, at, yeah, the first joint practice. I believe it was the first day of joint practices against the Jets. Top five pick. A guy that everyone, you know, in Atlanta loved. Most of the fans wanted Sauce. And and Jared. Coming off his performance, coming off his game winner against Detroit, catches a t- on a on a really good close route against Sauce Gardner. Catches it, uses his body, seals the corner, makes sure Sauce doesn't you know interfere or anything. Like really good catch, and I'm like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Now this is that kind of that kind of caught my attention a little bit. Yeah, but uh, the kid was given an opportunity and he ran with it, man. You know, hats off to him. It is a great story. This is a kid that just, you know, just like and I pointed out, just started playing wide receiver in May. Yeah. And he, did, and he made a 53. Didn't not practice squad. He made a 53. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Impressive stuff, certainly by Bernhardt. So good for him. Um let's see. I know we talked about oh, go ahead. Way, just one more note. I 
looked up how much uh, professional lacrosse players get. And yeah, it, it's no surprise why he decided to try and, you know, try his hand at the NFL. I think <laughs> for Premier League lacrosse, the average salary is like $35,000. Oh, that's wow. Like, yeah. Now, keep in, keep in mind, this kid's a hell of an athlete. Yeah. Forget the wide receiver. He's a hell of an athlete. Like, right, and then pointed out, he won the award for the best lacrosse player in college. So this this kid's a hell of an athlete now. Yeah. He, and he, he was a D2 winning quarterback and yeah. the conference player of the year and his yeah. you know, one fall as a quarterback. And, yeah, no, it's he could have easily been a professional lacrosse player and, you know, a damn good one at that. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I, I get it. There's no money in lacrosse. I'm, I'm sorry. There's just not. <laughs> if you can play football, I mean, I get How it. How much right? is it? 35 k for Premier League lacrosse is what I saw on Google. 35K yeah. annually? Yeah, I think that's. <laughs> I, just, I just found out today the practice squad salary. Mm-hmm. And it's you, like, he, yeah. it's 11, it's 11 a week, 11. Yes. 11.5. 11 uh, 11,500 a week for yep. the guys who are like two years or less. Yep. So he could make more just being <laughs> on the squad for like two weeks, just, three weeks. You just know, being yeah. on, well, yeah. on practice squad, not even playing. Yeah. And this is off rookieroad.com. So you don't blend. This isn't me pulling it out of my ass. But on average, a professional lacrosse player in the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League, makes $35,000 a season. Uh, it's not yeah, great and, and uh, yeah. a player in the national lacrosse league the nll makes an average of fifteen thousand dollars per year wow so yeah that's um that's, that's you know, not great yeah that's not great not great uh, no. I, I would also try to try my hand at an nfl spot <laughs> definitely <laughs> eleven thousand a week guys on the practice yeah yeah that's that's pretty i mean that's pretty good if you can stick around all year that's, that's, that's <laughs> right. a hell of a salary so um yeah the other two two defensive linemen that I thought uh, were kind of surprising. I mean, not that they were like bad or anything, but like I didn't know if they would make it. Quentin Bell, uh, that punt block probably had something to do with that one, and then Timmy Horn, the nose tackle, sort of confirming that they do want a second nose tackle on the roster. Uh, Eric, I'll give you a chance to talk about those two or anyone else that you were sort of surprised ended up making the roster. And I'm surprised uh, Tanzalo didn't make it, man. Yeah, he had that really good last game. Yeah, I really like what I saw from him this preseason. I thought outside of Grady Jarrett, I I thought he was the best defensive lineman this preseason. Um, He he made plays, um, and even in practice, he was sticking his nose in in business he didn't belong in. This this guy was he's pretty active. He's not the biggest. But he plays bigger than his side. I think he's like what six one two ninety five, maybe something like that. So he's not a huge guy, but he's all he's active. Um, and you can look at that last game against the Jaguars and and, and see what he can provide. I, I really I'm surprised that guys like Timmy Horn made it over him. I know they probably want to keep a second nose. Yes, yeah, I think that's why. And and largely because if Vincent Taylor was still here, then. No offense to Timmy Horn, but that would be Vincent Taylor's spot right there. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised Tangelo didn't make it. But yeah. yeah, me too. I I did have him making the roster, but I thought if anyone, it would would have would have been uh, Abdullah Anderson that sort of replaced him on the roster. So Timmy Horn, he had that like mental error, um, but that was uh, otherwise. I thought he had a really good game against the Jaguars. So um, 
you know, I know athletically really high that was ceiling. The that was to you, yeah, right? yeah, on the field goal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a dumb thing, but I'm glad that the team didn't like crush him for that. I mean, it's preseason, like get it out, you know, now <laughs> get it yeah. out the preseason, get those jitters out. But, uh, yeah. Uh, not anything on Quentin Bell, uh, Timmy Horn or any other guys that you were surprised ended up making the roster. Um, yeah, no, Quentin Bell had that amazing, uh, he had that amazing pump block uh, in, in the last game. I think that that may have been what what put him over the top. He also had another really good play after that. I think he had it was either a sack or a tackle for loss. It was something very impressive, or maybe it was like a a batted down pass. But that that pump block wasn't the only the only huge highlight for him. Um, but yeah, no, Tangelo. I legitimately thought Tangelo would make it just off the strength of that last Jaguars game alone. Like, he was an absolute terror against the run. Kevin, you and I did the play-by-play of it, and I just remember I just kept saying his name over and over again. He, I think he had, like, three three or four run stops. He had a tackle for a loss. Like, he was incredibly impressive. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it uh, regarding roster construction. Horn did have that mental error, but uh, I think he had that huge moment against the Lions with with that fumble recovery on the botched snap, which led to that um, to that Jared Bernhard game winning touchdown that we mentioned earlier. I think that that really helped his case uh, as well. Uh, it's just interesting with with a lot with some of these guys. You can kind of pinpoint the one moment where it's like, yeah, it, he probably made the roster because of this one moment right here. And that's, that's really cool because, you know, technically that, that is like a life changing moment probably for a few of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is the, is the squad field? I mean, I know that I, I see 12 of 16 right now. Uh, okay. I have the list of the 12, so I, I'll read it off here in a minute. Once we're and Tangelo's on it. Tangelo is on it. Yes. Yes. Tangelo's on the he is. Yep. Right, he is. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go ahead and read it off the guys that we know of just so you guys know. Right. Um, the ones that are official, uh, that were official earlier, Caleb Huntley, the running back. I know a lot of people are excited about that one. Uh, center Ryan Newsel, the news flash, uh, Michael Pruitt, the tight end wide receiver, Cameron Batson, uh, defensive back tease Tabor, uh, a new face wide receiver, Josh Ali, who I guess the team visited with last week. Um, so he, he gets added. Uh, and then as of tonight, we have Justin Schaefer, the guard, Derek Tangelo, the defensive lineman, uh, Jordan Brailford, the edge rusher, uh, Matt Hankins, the undrafted corner, Tyler Vrabel, the undrafted tackle, and then Frank Darby was the other one. There's, so we have 12 of 16. There's no way in hell he was going to cut Vrabel. No <laughs> he the couldn't just let Vrabel. Yeah, yeah. Matt Vrabel, he, he would never let him yeah. get away with it, yeah. Never let him get away with it. No, yeah, yeah. they probably would stop talking. Um. Yeah, that's I, I. You know, I, 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 I was wondering. I asked because I, I figured if he, if Tangelo wasn't on that list that you just read off, that I figured he would take one of those four remaining spots. But now that I know he's there, very well deserving of it. Would not be surprised if he gets a call up at some point in the season. Um, I, me personally, I think he deserves a roster spot. He deserves a fifty-three role, in my opinion. But, um. Would not be surprised if he gets the call up at some point. Um, yeah, I think with, with a guy like Quentin Bell, I mean, I kind of sort of like experience helped him along the way because I mean he was you know, he was on the 
on the practice squad last year. Um, so I, I think just the name and, and having the familiarity with the coaching staff kind of helped him along with his play, including, you know, like that, that big play against the Jags. Um, you know, it's, I really, I end up, uh, of course, I also wanted to bring this up. I do like the fact that the league has upped the number to 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the practice squad players, um, that that can be very useful. Um, and, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious to see who's going to fill out the other four. Who do you guys think? I mean, that's. I think we'll see a quarterback. Um, I don't know which one, but I think we will see a quarterback added. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Eric, you're going to anger Felipe Hive, okay? They're in the chat. Just do it. Look, <laughs> I'd rather him be a quarterback on the practice squad than tight end four and not even being active. It's wasting the spot. Yeah, but he can be tight end four and a quarterback on, on the Yeah, active. how many guys can do that? Not many. In fact, only one. Oh, yeah. God. All right. <laughs> so, a quarterback. All right, a quarterback. Who else? Um. Yeah, I um, to see another edge on there. Yeah, um, we got Brailford, but right now it's just one. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little discouraged that Allison got away, man. I, I'll be honest. Yeah, with you. I think, I, I think all. I wonder if they offered Allison and he was just like, I, I want to go someplace where I have like a chance to actually make it, like Dallas. <laughs> he looked, he looked like a different player. This he looked slimmer, he looked a little quicker, a lot. He looked a lot more confident. Um, I really like what I saw from him this, you know, this offseason, man. You know, it, it just special teams value alone. I thought he deserved a spot on the 53 because this is a, this is a kid that we've seen it since he's been here, since he's been in Atlanta. You just put him out there on the field on special teams. The guy's going to give his he's going to give 110 percent every single time. Um, but just him as a running back, I think his game as a running back elevated this year. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little shocked that he got away to be honest with you. And, and I, I've seen both of you guys talked about it before on Twitter. I know, you know, they're keeping Avery Williams around because of his versatility, but I mean, let's just, I'd rather just bank on the better running back in this situation and have Allison take that role over Avery Williams. That's just me, but it yeah, it's work. because of the special teams. That's the thing. Like, because almost always the fourth running back's just inactive. So it's sort of the reverse Felipe Franks, right? Where it's like Avery Williams is actually going to be activated as the fourth running back because he's the returner and all this other stuff. So it's like, I, I get that. I get why they, they did that. But I also see what you're saying, that you'd rather have like a runner able there. But if, I guess they could always activate Huntley, like if they needed like a reserve running back. But I don't think they ever really had a plan to have Allison on the active roster going into training camp because I spoke with uh, Avery Williams for a little bit in camp, and he said that that was a, a full coaching staff decision to move him over to running back. They came to him and they asked him to, to move over uh, from cornerback to running back, and I think that kind of sealed the fate of uh, Allison and Huntley, barring something catastrophic from the other running backs because Cordero Patterson was going to be on the um, – on the roster. We know that they signed Damian Williams, uh, who's, who's the veteran running back in whom they gave, uh, you know, all those first team snaps to that. They, they pretty much played Williams with all the first teamers all, all preseason. And then you had Tyler Oops. Algier. Hmm? So you, th- you think 
you think he exceeded their expectations at least Allison did as far as what they expected from him as a running back this offseason uh you think that he he kind of back you know placed their backs against the wall a little bit uh possibly Allison looked good uh but I don't think I don't think that they ever really intended to have Allison on the 53 man and that's why it's not surprising to me that Allison got away and went to another team's practice squad. Because, yeah, he, he looked good, but he, he was never really given, I don't want to say a fair opportunity, because that's not fair to the team to say that they were just unfair. But I think with moving Avery Williams to the fourth running back role, I think that sealed Allison's and Huntley's fate. I, I don't think that they were ever seriously considered for the 53 man. Because it's at this point how it's looking, and, may, and maybe my perception of it is wrong. And if it is, you guys, please tell me. Avery got a spot mainly because of his return ability, and it has nothing to do with him as a running back. Because if that's the case, he was lapped this preseason by both Huntley and Allison as a running back. I think he only got like a handful of carries. With that, he didn't even didn't even. I don't even think he played in the final preseason game. Yeah, I, and, I don't think the intention was ever that you know Avery Williams is is going to be a, a contributor running back. I think they just wanted to open up that extra cornerback slot by moving Avery Williams over because Avery Williams is always going to be on the team. He's, yeah. he's a great returner. He's going to be a pass catcher. They were doing. Uh, they told me not to talk about it, but I did notice them doing a lot of really cool stuff with Avery Williams in the passing game. I don't know if that will be an every week thing for him, but um, I think they really like him as a sort of Cordell Patterson light in terms of he's not really going to offer a ton as a carrier of the football, but as a receiver, potentially uh, someone that they really like that aspect of his game. Um, so take, take from that, whatever you will, but I think it's the combination of the special teams. He's the returner plus the passing game role is why they they're keeping him over uh, a third like runner of the football or a, a yeah basically a fourth runner of the football I guess it would be um okay I think they're just they're fine keeping like Huntley to be like a guy they can call up from the practice squad if they needed to but I think they're generally they're only going to activate three running backs on game day anyway so Avery Williams being a fourth guy they can activate as the returner I mean it technically gives them some extra running Some back local. depth but um, I think he's mostly going to play if he gets if he gets on the field on offense it's going to be as a receiving option out of the backfield or the slot or wherever he happens to line up so I think that's what they're they're looking at okay. all right <laughs> I, 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 I know you like more. Austin you, you've been a big Austin fan ever since he was drafted so because I, I mean I I I I have I am um because I, I think Allison is a guy that plays beyond his talent. You know, he's not the most athletic running back, never will be, never will be the fastest or nor the most shiftiest, but he's a guy that is confident in in, in his running style and his running play. And you you can see it in him in, in this, you know, this preseason, you know, it got especially in that Jaguars game, they didn't want to tackle him. They got to, they, that Jaguars defense didn't want to tackle him or Huntley. They were they were tired that second half, um, and I just like what he brings to the table for that particular scheme. But you know, if you're 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 convincing me that Avery Williams is going to bring a certain dynamic to the offense, 
okay, all right, better we better see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I think it's I think when they drafted Tyler Algier, that was sort of what ended the hope for Quadrillison to actually make it. Because I think they were like, we're going to keep three runners and a fourth guy, depending, like, maybe Avery Williams works out or whatever. But I feel like that fourth guy, since it's generally a guy that's going to be inactive anyway, they're sort of like, okay, with Avery Williams being that guy. Uh, and maybe someday he'll be able to contribute on the ground. Um, that's like a scat back sort of guy. But, um, you know, can uh, he pass I, block? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think they just value the, the extra spot on defense more than anything because I think so, yeah. why else would they just ask him to to move positions over to run? I mean he, yeah. he wasn't like a special cornerback he's a special no. returner he but, can still play corner too like he yeah. did in that preseason game like uh he played like a handful of snaps at corner just to show that he could but he's playing corner that's a bad sign but it's like Whew. that's like if you have two corner injuries and you're you have to play dime it's like okay well Avery get out there no <laughs> Because well, we'll he knows a- the scheme, you know, he's been in it for a year. So we'll have Avery a cornerback, and when the defense gives up a touchdown, we'll trot we'll trot Franks out there as a quarterback. <laughs> and then, you know. Well, well, if Avery ever catches an interception, he's gonna take it to the house because he's, you know, the returner. So that's he got a lot of nickel burn last year, man. He did. He looked he looked so out of place. He's just but, too small for the NFL at corner. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but because I don't think his, like, coverage was poor necessarily. It's just, like, he was just getting mossed by guys that were bigger than him all the time. And it's, yeah. like, in the NFL, like, you can't just be a tiny slot. Like, it's tough. It's they, really tough to do that. And then you're asking him to blitz. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, Yeah. I think he's, like, a serviceable, like, fifth or sixth corner, but not necessarily a guy you'd want to keep at corner. But as a guy that could be your emergency reserve corner if you have catastrophic injuries, that's fine. Like, he won't be, like playing another position at corner or something, but. And, and again, I get it. You know, his, his returnability is, is different as to is what sets him apart. But I think at least if we're talking special teams, I think Allison had special team ace potential um, because I, I, we we've seen it. He's, he's a guy that's, that is able to get downfield as a gunner, make tackles, get physical in that particular aspect. But, you know, they get, I guess they got a certain plan when it comes to Avery Williams. We'll see what happens from here on out, but. I yeah. just rather I rather have kept Allison, but I got I got you. Yeah, I mean I think their gunners are sort of set because they have Kadero Hodge, who we all know is like one of the NFL's best gunners, and then they have um, Mike Ford as the other one. So it's like I agree, like Allison has been very good as a gunner, but if they were already had those two veterans to do that, maybe that's part of the reason why they felt like they didn't necessarily need to keep him as much. Um, yeah. because they kind of made an effort to go go out and get two elite gunners this offseason. Yeah, and, um, and in fairness, we've been looking for a returner since God, yeah. I don't even know when. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. So Since who? Hester? Yeah, and that wasn't even yeah. like prime and Hester. It, it, was like, right, it wasn't even prime Hester, right. Yeah, like I think I think Williams last year had the best year as a returner for the Falcons since Weems' first stint, and that was like 2010. Oh man, Eric Weems. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he Ooh. had two stints. It wasn't quite as good the second time around. He was a pro bowler the first time, and then yeah, he yeah. Man, when they trying to they were trying to squeeze something out of him that second time around. I'm like, guys, yeah, yeah. it ain't there, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we know you have it in you, Eric. But we 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 know we know it's in. It just wasn't in there. He yeah. didn't have it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. JL Hunt, Mike Ford did get cut today. So did Dean Marlowe, but I think there's like a 95% chance they're both back back tomorrow um, after they put guys on IR. Um, Because I think like, like Mike Ford and Dean Marlowe are like, these are two guys that like you want on your roster, but like no teams are going to be like itching to sign. Um, And also I don't think, I don't think what's that. I'm sorry. Teams manipulate the IR stuff. Yeah, they do. It's like, we'll cut. They, They probably like, you know, cut them but you know gave, gave them like a wink or like a handshake yeah. agreement of exactly right. we're gonna get you back tomorrow and also like mike ford and dean marlowe as like more than four-year veterans they don't have to go through waivers either so they don't there's no risk of a team claiming them um just, it, 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 for those that don't know got only only players like on their rookie contract or in the first four years actually are subject to waivers everybody else just gets cut so that's part of the reason they picked those two, I imagine. And it's the same with uh, Ferkser. I, I think he's beyond that uh, four-year mark. Exactly, yep. Uh, where they probably, like, you know, told Anthony Ferkser, yeah, like, we wish you the best in the future. We'll see you, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, Anthony, you know, don't don't clean out your locker. You know? <laughs> Anthony, take the rest of the day off. You yeah. Know, you know, go home, get your feet up. Yeah, I think that the Bucks did the same thing with Logan Ryan uh, yesterday. And they they resigned yeah. today, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I just went out and like volunteered for a day instead of practicing or something." So it's like, "Oh, that's nice." But that that's what they're doing. Like until Tuesday of next week rolls around, this roster is subject to change a bunch. It won't change that much, but like they'll shuffle two or three guys here and there over the next week. Oh, um, who doesn't like a day off? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's like you don't have to show up to practice. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other interesting keeps or cuts or practice squad additions that you guys want to talk about? Uh, we didn't get to everyone. I know like Colby Gossett, I was sort of surprised he got cut um, considering that I thought he played pretty well at guard once again this preseason. Um, Eric, any other notable players that you, you wanted to talk about? Oh, man. In in terms of roster. I mean, it could just be – it could – it could be just in general because you haven't had a chance to, to wax poetic about any of these guys. So if there's any guys that you wanted to touch on that you haven't had a chance to, to touch on yet, go for it. Um, Desmond Ritter. Yeah. This preseason. Um, yeah. I, I don't know when he'll play because um, – and someone asked me about this on Twitter a few weeks ago. I don't know when he'll play because Mariota hasn't shown anything that says – okay, maybe Mariota can't be the guy for him this year. He, Mariota has looked, you know, pretty solid all around. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, man, the little things when it comes to Desmond Ritter, um, the pre-snap reads, uh, the movement in the pocket, um, you know, just he's he will never be, and I'm going out on a limb a little bit when I say this, he will never be an elite passer in the league. Never. But I I truly feel he can I, – I said this around draft time. I truly feel, man, the ceiling of he – has a, he has a Dak Prescott ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good can, comp for him. Yeah. You can let him develop a little bit more, continue to build the roster around him. He's going to be a type of quarterback. He's not going to be that type of quarterback like the Josh Allens or the Mahomes or the Herberts where – he can make he can make any receiving core you know a threat <laughs> on offense yeah but if you give him the right components around him i think he can be a guy that can develop into a quarterback that can win you some games and and lead, and lead a deep playoff run 
I really like what I saw from Ritter this offseason, um, this preseason. Um, and and I think they got something here. Um, it remains to be seen what happens next offseason in free agency. I'm not going to lean in that direction too far. I think you got a general idea as far as what I'm talking about there. Um, but I want to fan the flames a little bit on anybody that honestly sits here and thinks that the team is just looking at CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and say, our guy is there. There's a general consensus in the building that Desmond Ritter is their guy. And I, I think he's shown some stuff this preseason that leads, you know, that, 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 that feeds into that a little bit. I, I really, I can't wait to see how he develops, but I, I really like what I saw from him. I, I didn't, I don't, I don't see a guy that's nervous at all. Yeah. I don't see a guy that's scared of the light. I don't see a guy that's scared of the opportunity. I see a guy that's confident. I see a guy that wants to learn. I see a guy that wants to adapt. I see a guy that wants to take criticism and wants to get better every single day. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arthur Smith talked about that, right? Like, he's like, oh, no. Like, I'm going to chew his ass out on the sideline every time he makes a mistake because I'm treating him like a veteran. Like, and he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did and um, and you and, and what did you see the most impressive forget the game when it tested against detroit the most impressive point of the entire preseason to me was that second drive after after yeah. he threw his first interception against the jacks that was the most impressive moment of the entire preseason for me he he threw an interception first play of the game wasn't the greatest throw threw it he's drifting to his left yeah. Yeah. Threw back to the middle, didn't even set his feet. So what did he, what does he do? He comes back the next drive, leaves a fifteen play drive. I think goes four for four or five for five. Five for five, yeah. <laughs> four third down conversions, and then throws a, a, a test down um, to uh, to uh, Algier, and that right there told me like, okay, this this kid, yeah, this this got a short kid, memory. Gotta this kid a short memory. This yep. kid's got it. There's something about him that's like, all right, I threw a pick, forget it. I'm going to come back. I'm going to take the lead next drive, and then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, I agree. Like, you got to be able to do that in the NFL, right? You have to be able to throw a pick because even Matt Ryan threw picks. Like, everybody throws picks. It happens. Right. You got to be able to recover from that, come right. back, get right back on the horse, and, and right. pick up where you left off and, and go erase that mistake. Um, right. And that's exactly what he did. Um, now, it's against second stringers, but again, like, it's it's still impressive for a rookie to do that. Like, some quarterbacks you'll see, they throw that pick, and it's like, now it's the game's over. Like, it's catastrophic. Right. They just they can't recover from it. It's with them all game. Right. They're timid or they're too aggressive or whatever. Look at Look at it this way. If he came out and had a terrible drive after that, you would say what what would be the criticism there? You would you he would get thrown under the bus at that point. Oh, this kid doesn't have it. He's not the guy. So yeah, you wanna for those who want to sit here and say, Oh, he did it against second stringers, well, you would probably you you would probably throw him to the to the depths of hell if he came out and threw another pick right after that. But he did he he led his team on a 15 play scoring drive. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was impressive, man. I, I, I think Ritter there again, there is a general consensus in the building that Ritter can be the guy going forward. 
Yes. I, and I, he's not he's not where Mariota is yet. I know people are getting like we're talk we're trying to denigrate Mariota. We're not. Like Mariota no. did every single thing you could ask of him in the preseason looked great. Yes. So like yes. this has nothing to do with Marcus Mariota. And I honestly hope that like Mariota plays really well and then we get to see Ritter play will. really well. And then yeah, and then like we can trade Mariota potentially to a team that needs a starter for some decent draft capital. And then the Falcons yeah. can start, you know, Ritter next year. And like, everybody's happy. Everybody wins. Like, that's my hope. But I think he will. I think Mariota this preseason reminded folks, like, damn, he's a damn good athlete. Yeah. I think people forgot about that. And, and, and not just preseason. He looked great in training camp. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's yeah. really good. He looked, yeah. he looked refreshed. Like he looked reinvigorated yeah. in training. It, it yeah. feels like he was given like a second win to his career. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, again, that's, that is an element that I think can truly help out the playbook, help out the offense. The fact that now, please, nothing against Matt Ryan. I love Matt Ryan to death. The greatest quarterback in Falcons history. Absolutely. But he was a sitting duck at times in that pocket. That element is, is not there anymore because now you have a legit athlete that can say, like I, I want you. I want teams to to go man heavy against against Mariota. Yeah, go for it and <laughs> try and it. watch yeah. it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that yeah, teams I, could do that against Matt Ryan. Like, and and that's right. just it's different flavors of quarterback. Like Matt Ryan's an elite pocket passer. That's what he is. But the thing about pocket passers, they can be really good. I mean, you see it with Tom Brady, right? Like he's mm-hmm. one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the NFL year after year as a passer. Mm-hmm. But he has to have the offensive line. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. make that work without the offensive line. And the Falcons never could get the offensive line right. So the switch to a more mobile style of quarterback that can maybe overcome a little bit more offensive line issues, probably wise considering the state of the offensive line at this point. So, Right. Um, Yeah, he he sent a gentle reminder across the NFL. And again, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to come out and win comeback play of the year. But I think he was able to you know, refresh the memory of folks as far as why he was such a threat in college, why, you know, he is, even with him being on the field, he may not be the greatest of passers, but again, him being on the field, your linebackers are going to stay in their zone just a second longer. Your safeties are going to not be on their assignment just a half a second longer because they're weary of Mario leaking out and showing the athleticism on the perimeter and beating you that way. So it, it, it can, and it can make a difference on the offense. It, I mean, that can, again, those little things can lead to a touchdown. can lead to pits getting open a little bit more because again, the defenders are like, is he going to leave? He's going to take off the run. What is he going to do? Like, it's just, so I, I again, I, I think Mariola even looked really solid this all season and I'm excited to see him uh, with, with a, with a, with a new offense and, you know, under under full go, good health. Um, let's see what he can do out there. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, I like it. Any, any other thoughts on the quarterback competition, uh, Adon? I know you, you came back right in the middle of that. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm excited. Uh, Desmond Ritter looked really good uh, in the preseason. Uh, I heard you guys talking about the uh, the picks slash would be picks. Uh, uh, against the um, against the Jags, like he, he bounced back. From that. 
That first pass was really bad too. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was way behind. He knew it. And he knew it. Like <laughs> yeah, his he knew it. footwork was just like all off and he, he was yeah. just like throwing it off his back, but it was behind. It was just a really bad the second pick is whatever. That that was like right before the half. Like I, I don't know. Chalk that up as whatever. But yeah, no, you you guys were talking about just the bounce back. And yeah, he did he did a hell of a job of bouncing back after the pick. And it's the same in that Lions game. He he threw the interception, which was eradicated for the roughing the passer penalty. And I think after after he got that second uh, chance, I think he led the Falcons on that scoring drive. Uh, fast forward, and uh, end of the game, last drive, he throws what should have been an interception, which was dropped by, by the Detroit Lions DB. Um, gets away with that and ends up throwing that uh, pass to Bernhardt for the game winner. Uh, yep. He he seems like a veteran out there. Like yes. he, he does not seem like you know your rookie quarterback who's caught in the headlights. This this wasn't a competition. The Falcons said from day one of training camp, Mariota's the guy. This isn't a quarterback competition, and it wasn't. Mariota looked better in preseason and in um and, and in training camp overall. But you know, I I don't think anyone. Well, I, I don't want to say anyone. I I don't think many people were expecting Ritter to just come in and just beat out the veteran who's been doing this for years and who himself was a former number two overall pick and a former Heisman winner. I I think a lot of people forget that just yeah. how good Mariota was in college. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I I think both quarterbacks showed out um, throughout this period. I'm really happy with what I saw. I think Mariota is going to have you know, uh, a bit of a resurgence uh, to start the season. And also, I, I remember I, I was watching Dan Orlovsky, you know, ESPN plug here for Eric, but Dan Orlovsky was, like, talking about Ritter uh, the other day, and he said that it looked like Ritter, like, looks like his arms, his arm is, like, 20% stronger <laughs> preseason than it was in college, where, which, like, you know, I don't know what he's been doing, you know, in the offseason. He, he, he does finally have, like, a legitimate professional, like, workout regimen no no disrespect to the cincinnati bearcats but the falcons are like a legit nfl team you know giving them a, giving them a, a legitimate workout regimen um but yeah that would be huge like imagine if if ritter's just out here and his his arm is just way better than we thought it was coming out of the draft like that that's game changing type stuff yeah. uh we'll, we'll see like we'll see what happens i, I think ritter will get his chance uh, eventually this season i can't Exactly. He, definitely thought, he definitely thought Ritter was the best QB coming out. That's like that's no. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think Orlovsky was is shocked at all by what he sees from Ritter. I mean, he was very. Yeah, no. um, and I, I want to make this quick note. This is not the worst roster in the league, man. No, no, it's not. Okay. The Houston Texans exist. Don't the Bears do too? <laughs> yes. <Okay? laughs> I I don't know what is wrong with people looking at this roster on paper, looking at a few plays here and there, looking at names and saying this is the this is a, a two and fifteen team. This is not USA the worst. Today. Huh? USA USA today. Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not the worst roster in the league by any means. Like they're not a playoff team. <laughs> right. But this is to me, this is a competitive roster. This is a team they're probably going to lose more games than they win. Yes, but I think they're really going to be in a lot more games than people give them credit for. Like, 
Yeah. No, I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be competitive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I am keeping receipts too. I just want to let people know that. Yeah. Um, I'm keeping receipts. Oh yeah. No, you should. You should. Yeah, and like I, I agree. I think the team will be fine. I, I think they're gonna lose more games than they won last year, just because of the schedule and all this other stuff. But like, you know, two two wins, like ridiculous. Like I, I I'm predicting six still. Um, you know. I- I mean, me they crazy. could win more, but like I just didn't. call me crazy. I'm still going seven and ten. Call me crazy. Uh, if, if this is our final, well, this isn't our final. We'll we'll have one next week, but uh, I, my official prediction is probably five and twelve. I think yeah. they, I think they steal a win or two. I think they can. I think they. I think they, they steal a win or two that they're not supposed to get, and and there's the way this the season has shaped itself a little bit. I mean, you're going to be playing a Browns team with no Deshaun now. Like, you know, who's, who's that quarterback now? Um, I'm, I'm, there's, I'm still not concerned much about what's going on in Carolina. They, as much, they named Baker the starter, but let's be honest here. It's not about the quarterback anymore. It's about it's Matt not Rule. about the quarterback. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, like that. I don't even know what they want to do on offense or how they're going to approach their offensive scheme. Yes, McCaffrey's back in the fold. We'll see how that goes. I just – I don't think – it is a tougher schedule than last year, but I think it shapes – especially on the back end, it shapes itself out a little bit because you – on the back end, you got the Bears, you got the Steelers who, you know, I, I'll be quite honest with you, I would not be surprised if the Steelers are in fourth place in the right. AFC this year. Yeah. You know, you got a Cardinals team that – who they knows always where, suck late in the year. Who, exactly. You got, and you, got them at, you got them at home late in the year. So. Uh, after Call of Duty comes out and Kyler Murray's game just falls off a cliff, <laughs> yep. that, that's, what, that's what Reddit is theorizing. Who, who, who knows what team, what, what Cardinals team we'll see at that point in, you know, at that point in the season. Um, I just think, I think they may, they may steal a couple wins and I, I'm still looking at seven to 10. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. It happens. That's part of it, you know. That's part of this profession. But I'm still thinking seven and ten with this team, man. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, so we'll just see. It really, it's going to come down to like if they're like, you know, whatever it was, like seven and one in one score games, like they were last year. Like they're probably going to, you know, if they if they keep up that sort of close game superiority, they'll win a lot more games than people expect. But I don't know how feasible that is. Like I that, don't think it's very feasible. That, that always seems to regress back it does. To, it does. like so. one way or another. Right. I remember a couple of years ago the team was what, 0 and eight in one score games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I think what's going to give them somewhat of an edge, at least early on in the season, is defense is not knowing how to defend this offense. Right. They don't because know the quarterback, yeah. Yeah, now because again, you're used to seeing Matt Ryan out there for 14 years. Now you got an athlete like Mariota. Do you go man heavy? You go man heavy. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're leaving. You're leaving a linebacker on the island on his own against Mariota one on one. Do you go zone? If you go zone, you allow a guy that you may not allow him to escape the pocket. But they've got they've got weapons. A guy like Kyle Pitt, you, you really want to let Kyle Pitts just roam loosely in zone coverage? Okay, right. sure. <laughs> All right, let's see how that works. Yep. 
I mean, Cordero with Cordero flanking Mariota at times too, like that's going to be intriguing. Like it's just, I think early on, I don't think teams are going to know how to defend this offense and it's not going to be a Kansas city chief style offense by any means, but I would not be surprised if this is a team that's putting up, you know, 20, 23, 24 points a game early on in the season and making defenses a little nervous because again, you don't know how to approach them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And like, they do have the personnel, I think, in terms of the weaponry to finally be able to punish teams for focusing all their attention on pits. And I think they're still going to focus most of their attention on pits, but like Drake London's probably going to show that he can beat single coverage pretty easily. And you know what Cordero Patterson can do. Like, see him on the practice field again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah. yeah. I think he'll be back for week one, but you know, it's, you got to take, you got to be really careful with hamstrings. Like if he doesn't need, like I suspect he'll start practicing next week, but I don't think you rush him back before that. I thought it was a knee. Or maybe it was a knee. Yeah, it was I'm getting a it knee. confused with somebody else. I'm getting it confused with somebody else. It's Miles Sanders. Right yeah, that's now. right. That's probably, yeah. It's just, it's weird because, and, and someone, someone mentioned it today, um, how, Arthur Smith is is taking the Mike Vrabel approach when it comes to injuries, especially yeah. this one in particular. Not putting anything out there, which is it. St- it stems from it comes from Vrabel, but it really stems from Bill Belichick, yep. who's just they they just they never put anything out there in terms of injuries. Yeah. So you never know. I just look at how they constructed the roster and the way that they constructed the roster so far makes me think, okay, they're not greatly concerned because if they were, they probably would have kept another receiver or added another receiver on the practice squad at least they only added two so far that i i, I believe but three but, yeah three josh Lee, frank darby and uh oh, Cameron yeah. so they i i think if they were truly concerned as far as drake missing a week or even the first four weeks you would have saw some more movement there yeah so we'll we'll see i do want to see him out on the practice field though like yeah yeah we all we all do yeah so, i definitely don't think he'll be out long term because they would have already put him on what they already put him on IR, right? Yeah, yeah, and that would have been negligence if they didn't if he any misses three weeks. But yeah, no, I think he'll be fine for week one. It's just very annoying from a media perspective. It is, it is, yeah, it is, it is frustrating. Um, but you know, I, I think we will see him week one, and I think he'll be practicing next week. Is my opinion. Um, just they'll keep it, keep it easy keep it safe and then start practicing next week in preparation for game one week one against the new orleans saints hate week folks it's on the horizon almost here uh guys before we get to hate week next week uh eric thank you for joining us he's at underscore eric underscore robinson eric anything else you'd like to plug before you take off nothing man check out the falcoholic that's the one-stop shop for everything you need Falcons. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric, for coming on. Really appreciate you. Uh, Adnan, also with us tonight at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, I have that um, Jared Bernhardt article that I mentioned earlier in the show. That's uh, that's going to go tomorrow, I think at noon is when it was uh, set up. Yeah, that's basically um, pretty much talking about his journey from uh, through college and into the NFL and it goes in, in depth about uh, what we saw from him in training camp in the preseason 
Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely check that out, guys. Great work there by Adnan. I read like the first couple paragraphs, but I've been busy today. Um, yeah, guys, I'm Kevin Knight, F Alcoholic Kevin. Uh, I will start to have fresh content coming your way uh, next week. Uh, this weekend, I'll be in Atlanta for Dragon Con, not for Falcons related activities. Um, so I will be posting uh, costume updates. It is done for those asking, it is complete. Uh, I still have to pack it up tonight you'd be surprised how many pieces there are. I'm also surprised how many pieces there are. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. So if you're going to be in Atlanta for Dragon Con, uh, hit me up on the Twitters. I'll come say hi. Uh, but yeah, guys, really appreciate everyone for hanging out tonight. All the usual stuff, please like and subscribe. We really appreciate those metrics. You can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash FalcoholicLive. Uh, if you want to support the show on a monthly basis, really appreciate everyone for doing that welcome back thomas childers as well uh to the patreon group i know thomas was with us for a while took a little hiatus in his back we always appreciate everyone there so thank you thomas um and yeah guys we'll be back uh for next show will probably be next wednesday um and then we'll be going to our in-season schedule we'll have a game preview show coming out on fridays uh with alan sterk as gonna be my co-host for that so you can look forward to that additional episode every week, too, because let's be honest, we never really got to the game preview on the Wednesday show. It just is always something we sort of tacked on to the end. So uh, we'll 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 make give that its own, you know, 30 minute show going forward. And then on Sundays and or whatever day the game is, we will have uh, we will have our post game live show, which, of course, is a favorite of all of us here at at Falcoholic Live, so you can join us for that as well. Uh, it may also be an early week show. Not entirely sure yet. If there is one, it'll probably be like a film recap or something. But um, yeah, well, uh, guys, really yeah. got through the grinder, huh? Right. Yeah, I know. It's oh, like so uh, yeah, you're entering Aaron Freeman level. I know. That's that. Yeah. I just you know, I don't want that. You know, I'm I'm going with three. I I think three is good. You know, you guys can let me know. I think. Like, I think normal people, and I, I love all the degenerates, of course, that join us, you know, for, like, day three of the draft and, like, late in the third preseason game. But um, I think most people probably can stomach, like, three pods a week for a show. I think if you get past that, it's just sort of diminishing returns. But that's my opinion, you know. I don't... Yeah, the yeah. people in the chat right now will tell you they want as many as possible. Probably, probably. So, um, yeah, Corey, uh, for those interested in, like, a pregame chat or, like, a game day sort of thing... Um, you can join the discord. The link is in the show description. Uh, there's like four or 500 Falcons fans in there now. Uh, it always gets pretty rowdy on game days. Uh, there's definitely a lot of chat going on in there. So that would be a good place. I think to look for that. Um, so yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 208. Uh, until next week, week one, just around the corner. We're almost there folks. Uh, thank you again, Eric. Thank you. Adnan, and we will see you next time folks. Have a great night.